0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. The word of our Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, sometimes I just wish Jesus would leave well enough alone. I wish Jesus would just obey the conversational etiquette rules that we learn when we're young, that there are certain subjects that you just don't talk about, even if you're asked. Like politics, sex, and money. Let's just not talk about those things ever, right? I would add religion to the mix, but Jesus being Jesus, I just think that's not fair. So we'll give him that one, but the rest of it, Jesus, why don't you just not talk about money That would make the rest of us a lot more comfortable. However, Jesus doesn't listen to what I think very often. And texts like the ones we hear this morning are ones that make me squirm a little bit. There are always ones where I kind of think, well, Jesus must be talking about someone else, right? And then I have to move to some confessional truths. That I have a lot of possessions that I have grown up and continue to live in some of the wealthiest suburbs in Minnesota, that I have everything I've ever needed in life and I've gotten most of what I've ever wanted. And so when Jesus goes on talking about being wary of greed and having too much stuff, I wanna plug my ears and say, you know, Jesus, there's nothing wrong with good financial management, right? You know, Jesus, some of us work hard. Shouldn't we be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor? And yet, I think if we want to shout our arguments to God or to Jesus and close our ears on the lesson for this morning and dismiss it as being for someone else, then we miss some really important things that Jesus has to say about our lives and how to live and what makes us happy. If you're anything like me, I always believed as a kid if I got that one new thing that it would totally make me happy. I remember saving up my money to buy a new Barbie doll. Yes, I was a Barbie kid. And going to Target and standing in that fuchsia aisle and looking and selecting my coveted doll. The one I remember most buying was Whitney. I don't know if any of people are of my generation and remember her, but she had long hair that went down to about her calf, because that's realistic. Um, And it was twisted with highlights, and she had this sparkly blue dress and this sparkly silver overcoat. And when I got Whitney, I was so happy I brought her home, and I brought her to my neighbor's house, and I played with her, and it was so great for a few weeks. And then Whitney's hair got messed up, and I lost her shoes because Barbie shoes never fit their feet, unless you super glue them on, which I did sometimes. And soon enough, I wanted something else. And that's the way it is, don't you think? I mean, it changed throughout the years. And for many of you, I'm sure it wasn't a Barbie. For me, it went from Barbies to Nintendo games to types of jeans, clothing, to car, to a house, to furniture, to artwork, to electronic devices. And even now, I confess, sometimes, just a few weeks ago, I was convinced that my new iPhone would make me happy. Mm. it didn't, it doesn't. These possessions that we acquire fulfill this little piece, this little slice of joy for a limited time, and then soon enough, it's gone, and we find we have stuff. And we might not tear down our barns to fill them with more grain, but we tear down our houses and build bigger houses with more storage and more garages to fill with all our stuff that will make us happy. The United States is considered one of the wealthiest countries in the world, and in terms of happiness, we rank in the lowest 10%. Lowest 10%, because the truth is possessions, stuff doesn't make us happy, and we know it. So, what does, or what do we do? I think the big question as I read this was how do we manage and think about our finances in a way that is realistic and also a way that is truthful to the Christian life we're called to live? It's not easy. I'll be the first to confess that I joined the 75% of Americans who worry about finances. 75% of us stress and worry about finances. I'm there. Will I have enough money for my kids to go to college? Will I have enough money for retirement? All of this stuff. And yet, how does God want me to live? Jesus tells us that we are are called to live richly towards God. And I think it all begins with the realization that God has blessed us richly. Everything I have has been given to me by God. My job is to manage it. More often than not, you hear the senior pastor talk about finances. Today, you get me. Pastor Scott has probably said these three words a thousand times share, save, spend. Right? You've all heard it. Share, save, spend. Maybe you've heard it 200, but I've heard it a 1,000. So that's just how much more I'm with Pastor Scott. But they are actually really good words and tools to think about managing your money and your finances. Words that are hard, though, too. So I'm going to share a couple personal stories this morning about things I've learned in the process of doing this. In my first year of ministry, I finally had my first full-time job and a salary, like at probably age 26. And when I got my salary, I thought, oh, I will have so much money! <laughs> that was not true. <laughs> and so I thought, as a Christian leader, I was going to tithe. And so I set that lofty goal of tithing, and I figured out what m- amount of money that would be a month. And then I completely failed at this. Complete failure. I would get to the end of the month and get ready to write my check to the church, and I'd look at how much money I had in the bank, and I didn't have enough. And so I'd decrease it, and I'd write a realistic check and give that over. And so about three months into ministry, I decided the tithe was unrealistic, and I was going to come up with a realistic percentage I could give. And so I did that, and I still failed. (sighs) I'd get to the end of the month, and lo and behold, I wouldn't have enough, and I'd decrease it, and I'd think, I'd make it up next month. I'd make it up next month. And then a year passed, and I thought, whoa, this is really going poorly for me. At that time, I signed up to do Simply Giving, which is where you can have your giving electronically withdrawn from your checking account. Now, let me tell you, I did not sign up without some stress. I checked repeatedly with our office manager at the church to find out if I could change the amount. I wanted to know if two months in or one month in I was going to be short, that we could switch this whole thing and get more real. After a year of failure, you had to be prepared for these things. So I signed up, and I watched. I got to the end of the month, and there was enough. I got to the next month, I saw the money go out at the beginning of the month, I watched, I got to the end of the month, and there was enough. And I went through that entire first year and realized that when I actually gave to God off the top, that there was enough for me to live my life the way I wanted to and still give as much as I wanted to give. Every year since then, I've bumped up my pledged and moved closer to the tithe, which I will confess I'm not quite at yet, but I'm working towards it, people. That 10% I would love to give away. And every year I make sure I can change it just in case. And I haven't had to. Because what I have discovered is that when I'm able to share my resources, that indeed there is enough for me to do all the things I desire to do, to have the things I need in my life and to share abundantly, just as God has shared and given abundantly to me. And in fact, it gives me space to not only give to the church but other organizations I care about. The second thing I wanna talk about is savings because the realistic thing is we do need to save. This lesson is not to not save ever, even though there is some warning about it, but it's to save realistically. When I um, was first starting out my career, I remember having a conversation with a small group of my friends, and we were figuring out how much money to put in our retirement plan. One of my friends is a rock star at this. She put in a good amount and she has always saved well. And I strive to be more like her. But my other friends and I have struggled along with it. The interesting thing for me is when I had this conversation with my college friends, I also had it with my friend Erin, who at this time in our life had been struggling with cancer for eight years. Erin had just stepped down from her role as a physical therapist at the time to go on medical leave because her health was deteriorating. And in fact, that was the weekend that I realized Erin wouldn't be with us much longer. But here we are, a group of 20-somethings, talking about our future with our friend who is dying. And Erin chimed right in. I don't think I'm putting enough away for my retirement, she said. Hmm. It felt different. It felt hard, like, wait a second, we should be talking about bigger things right now than this. And yet Erin wanted to be a part of that conversation. She wanted to plan for the future even though she knew it was short. And so in my head, I continue to think about that. Aaron died within six months of that conversation. And when I think about savings today, I do so, always with the realization that I might have a long life where I need those things, but also with the example of Aaron, who showed up, who, yes, planned for the future, but more than anything, invested in her relationships with us, joining in conversations just to be a part of it coming to all of our milestone events your life is demanded of you Jesus says in the gospel to the man and it does indeed mean in this gospel that he's gonna die and what's he gonna do with his possessions but I don't look at those words the same way I actually think they're an invitation Your life is demanded of you, not just on the day you die, but every single day. Your life is demanded of you to be in relationship with those people you care about. Your life is demanded of you to live in a way that is rich towards God and rich towards others. Your life is demanded of you to embrace every day for the gift it is and treasure it. Later on in this same gospel, chapter 12, in fact, Jesus says these words. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Not where your heart is, your treasure will be. So not what you care about, you give your money to. But instead, where you give your money, your heart follows. Over this past year, I've started to give some of my money to support refugees overseas. In fact, I've been following an Instagram account. Instagram does everything, social media, helprefugees.uk.org. And every day I see pictures of refugees in um, camps over in England or, or Greece. And more often than not, the Instagram account is giving thanks. This week they gave thanks for dentists who showed up to give dental care towards kids. They gave thanks for a skateboard ramp that was made so the kids could skateboard. And then they also asked for sleeping bags, because they have 50 and they need 250. I've given to that organization, and every day my passion and my care for them grows. What we give to, our heart follows we have been richly blessed by God. God loves us abundantly and has given us so much. And in return, Jesus invites us to look at our lives and live abundantly and richly, giving to God, giving to our neighbors, and being in relationship with each other. In Jesus' name, amen.